Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. This is episode 106 with Mike Cotty. You can find him on Twitter, C-O-T-T-Y-D-A-L-E. Thanks for being here. Sorry I sound like shit. I'm a bit sick. Um, but yeah, I just got back to Sydney. It's great to be back, but now I'm in that, you know, the kind of jet lag, travel sick, you know, thing that your body does when it transfers itself from continent to continent. It happens, uh, but I'm grateful that I didn't have to walk and or swim. If you're new, welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, really, thank you so much. Hi, there's lots of episodes for you to explore. Just subscribe in the iTunes store or the podcast app of your choice. Uh, you can also find me on SoundCloud sometimes. I'm not really there much, but I'm on Instagram and Twitter and at osherginsberg.com. Look, I hope you're good. Um, hope you're well. Thank you very much for everybody that reached out and got in touch after hearing me speak during Mental Health Week last week. I was very grateful I've had a few opportunities to speak about my experience, and um, oh, look, I just, I just hope it resonated here and there. Oh, that's that's it. It's wonderful to be back in Sydney. I'm talking to you on a rainy Sunday afternoon here in Sydney. The uh, the clouds have passed over the city, and I'm I'm looking at them head out to sea. Um, I just went and did a gig at the Basement, which is a, a club you know, down in Circular Quay. It's a jazz club in Circular Quay. The gig was called Men of Letters, where Eight guys. It's normally women of letters, all right? Um, but men of letters was where they got the same crew. They got eight guys to come up and read a, a letter to the woman that changed their life. It, it was super special. There was, it, I, won't, I won't go on about who was there because what was super special about it is in this age of everything being shared, everything being recorded, blah, blah, blah. This show was not recorded. It was not podcast. It was not broadcast in any way. So everyone on stage was free to be as honest as we chose 
and it was, it was quite it was quite special, you know, because we're, we're you know we live in a world where most folks will watch a concert on the screen on their phone that they hold up in front of them, blocking their view of the stage, or hold a GoPro up on a stick, randomly waving it around, so that you know one day they what they'll watch two hours of them drunkenly waving a GoPro at a festival. The only way to enjoy the show today was to be there in the room a hundred percent, and it really really changed the audience. I've noticed audiences change recently and when you've got the phone in your pocket it was really good i really enjoyed it um so thanks everybody that came and thank you so much for having me there um it was such an honor to be on that stage with some of those people it really 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 was folks this show is brought to you today by the iconic australia's leading online clothing store you already use the iconic so do i so please support the people that support my show by using the offer code on the website, uh, theiconic.com.au slash osher. And that way you can let them know that the ads are working for them. The Iconic stock over 700 top brands with over 50,000 products. They offer an incredible three-hour delivery for those living in Sydney. Same-day shipping in Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, and Sydney. Overnight, they'll ship to New Zealand and free returns for 100 days. Look, you shop at the Iconic anyway. And if you want to support this show, keep this podcast um, great and make it greater, Go to theiconic.com.au slash osher. Enter the offer code that you see there on the left-hand side, halfway down. Yep, those words there. Yep. Enter that at checkout and get 10% off full price styles with any purchase over 99 bucks. It saves you money. doesn't cost you anything more. They kick a couple of shekels back to us for everything that you buy. You can shop from your phone or your laptop. Please support the people that support this show. You can get the latest spring styles at your fingertips. Theiconic.com.au slash Osho. Enter the offer code at checkout for 10% off full price styles with any purchase over 99 bucks. So I packed up my house in Los Angeles. It's done. Everything's in, a, everything's in a container, like right now. It's on a boat sailing across the Pacific. Some of my stuff is making its second crossing, which is exciting. But it feels exceptionally good to be coming back. I'm uh, stoked to be able to base myself in Australia for the next while. And uh, we'll still come and go from Los Angeles, most definitely. There's still a lot of work there that I'm, I'm working on. But, boy, it's wonderful to be, uh, be home. I'm looking forward to exploring some of the hills around Sydney, some more hills around Sydney on my bicycle as soon as I get some time. And, in fact, speaking of bicycles, let me tell you about my guest today. Today, we, you and me, are joined by Mike Cotty. He's on Twitter, at C-O-T-T-Y-D-A-L-E, Cotty Dale on Twitter. Mike is a legend in the worldwide cycling community. Um, he's pretty much the most famous cyclist in the cycling community that isn't the pro racer. He's famous for his marathon cycling efforts, having ridden astonishing feats of endurance. Mike's done nonstop rides across countries, across continents, from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean. His longest ride, 50 hours, 29 minutes, nonstop, 1,021 kilometers he rode across the Dolomites, Eastern Alps, and Swiss Alps. On that ride, he conquered over 21,000 250 meters of brutal mountain climbing that's 2.4 times up mount everest on his bicycle the guy is just amazing but mike's also a brilliant marketer and he's now director of media 24 which is a cycling media consultancy company in europe and i highly recommend checking out his videos the col collective c-o-l collective you can find them on youtube it's mountain porn 
It's amazing. Um, now, throughout this conversation, Mike shares his story and brings some insight into not only how he was able to achieve such astonishing goals of endurance, but how the limitations that we give ourselves, what we think we can achieve, are often just a label and way, way less than what we actually can achieve. If you dig this conversation, let Mike know on Twitter at Cotty Dale, C-O-T-T-Y-D-A-L-E, and enjoy a conversation uh, that I had with Mike in Amsterdam, upstairs in a broom closet. <laughs> I apologize for the echoes. This is Mike Cotty. How are you, Mike? Very, very good. We are we are upstairs in a storeroom in a... We're upstairs in a storeroom in the um, the broom think, cupboard in the broom cupboard of the Think Home in Amsterdam. Um, as we get in everybody's way, yeah, fun. <laughs> I'm just about to get run over by a host of tables. Well, yeah, tonight's the night that all of the uh, students from the next class come in, so we we welcome them all tonight. You're graduating, though. I'm graduating. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. So it's good. We just had a great conversation downstairs. I'm, I'm afraid we might have to have a very similar version of that conversation. That's Is that okay? Fine by me. Yeah, it's it's kind of just my life. So yeah, I know. I think I know a bit about that. Yeah. Well, I'm. I mean, well, first off, how do you think downstairs went? Were you happy with that? Overall, I mean, it's the first first time. I, as I said to you, I've, I've done a bunch of different cycling stuff. That's what I do. Um, this is the first sort of real creative sort of leadership, getting into the nuts and bolts of it. And I spent the last day just sort of chatting to people, just thinking, crikey, there's some big brains here. And they're all working on incredible stuff and they're all trying to change the world and they are changing the world. And, you know, um, the, the, the conference before before us was was JC from, from Movember and you're thinking, you know, that's that's a global brand which is massive and you're thinking, Craig, I'm going up after him. Oh my God, I'm going to die. But, you know, no, I didn't get heckled. So uh. well, I think I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, I'm, I'm stoked with it. I'm, Fantastic. I'm, I'm thrilled you came to be a part of it and mostly, you know, what you revealed about what happens to your brain somewhere around hour 47 of a 52 hour yeah. adventure is was was really really interesting but i guess i'd like to start at the somewhat of the start where you said you didn't come from a cycling background where did you grow up um so yeah grew up uh southern england and um yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, we were playing around with bikes when we were at school, but that was about it. Dodgems in the street, sort of thing, which every every sort of ten year old did. Um, but straight from school, I, I went. Uh, I followed my older brother into en- engineering, um, and for me, that was kind of like it was. It was solid. It was. It was known. It was. You know, it was just the black and white, really, to to crack on with your life, and that's what you do. But uh, it, straight away, it was like it's not really me. It's just not really what I'm I'm about. And I just found that the you know, in a very early age, just found the, the the purity of just going out and riding your bike. It's so simple. And I just felt just so alive when I did it. And that, I was only 12, 13. I just knew at that moment, it was like, I've got to do something in this industry. This is what I'm thinking about when I go to bed. This is what when I'm actually, you know, roll forward sort of seven, eight, nine years when I'm, I'm working. I worked for, for British Aerospace for a couple of years. And, but I'm thinking about bikes. I'm thinking about training. I'm thinking about racing. I'm thinking about being being a professional or the, the best rider I can be and you know I guess in some respect it's um, 
you know, it's lucky to find your, what you deem your true passion early on in life. It may be, you know, you could be 35, 40, 50 and, and find that passion. It doesn't matter when, but I found it early on and then just, just went with it from there. Was there everything, any, uh, ever a question that it was going to be bicycles or what? Well, yeah. I mean, back in the early days, I was playing football um, and, you know, we'd go and kick the ball around on the green. And then one of our, our neighbours was the, the, the head of the, the sports department. And he said, oh, you know, you want to play for the, the school football team. And I was playing for back when I was, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12. I was playing for the um, I was playing for my Sunday league. and I was playing for the, the Southampton schoolboys and I was playing for the mid mid-league club or the, the yeah, mid-week club um, I think I was playing for about four clubs and we went and toured in, in Germany and it was kind of like you know my trajectory should have been in football that was my real core passion like you know straight as a, as, as a kid but I just for me I got to the point where I just like the individuality of a situation and being in control of it it's probably my control freak nature coming in where I was just like you know I can play football and I can be part of the team which is is great but it's just the the individual aspect of like my mind my body the bike very pure very simple and I just got a lot out of it and it was kind of an early age where I went actually and I literally stopped football one day and started cycling and the team were like and the yeah, I shouldn't have let the guys down but you know the, the the teachers hey you've got to carry on with this football and you know you've got a talent there and I was like and I never looked back. I just said, no, cycling's what I want to do now. And they were kind of flabbergasted because there was some people in our, our school who went on and, and became professional footballers. And, you know, it's a pretty lucrative career to be had out of that. So, um, yeah, you, you pick your, pick your uh, you know, what you do and you, you stand by it. So I don't have any regrets. I'm just doing what I do now. How are your folks about the change? Oh, I mean, I was young. I was young. It's, it's like I've always said, um, you know, I wanted to just try and, you know, what was in me was like trying to get the best out of myself, whatever that is, whether that's in work or business or, or bikes or football or whatever. It's like I just wanted to try and achieve as much as I could. And, you know, I was so young, there was, it was never a given. You know, you have to make your decisions and things come along which, which will change those decisions. And even now it was like I had a dilemma when I was 21 um, because I wanted to be a professional cyclist. And um, I said to myself, right, can I pursue this goal? Can I pursue this dream? Am I going to make it? And then I had an opportunity to actually work in the bike industry, which was a great opportunity. I was living in, in Europe. I was 21. It was like it was a whole world was opening up, working for a global brand. Um, it was Cannondale Bikes, which was a, a big inspiration to me for, from their product. And, and that was, and so I had that decision early on thinking, crikey, I'm, I'm now, what I really want to do is race as a pro. But I've got this amazing opportunity to make a career out of cycling. And it's, you know, it, back 10, 15, 15 years ago, you know, it was 2000. I mean, there wasn't an infrastructure in the UK for cycling as it is now. It was a much smaller sport. So that's, again, it's a decision which you have to make early on and then say to yourself, OK, let's run with it because that's that's decision made and you've got to make the most of it. So even, you know, you have your dream, but then there's the reality of what you, you, know, you can and can't do. And, you know, trying to get to, I guess, the maximum of what your potential is, is, is what we're, I'm always striving for. When did that start? What the uh, wanting to become because many people don't even start to explore that getting to be the maximum of what your potential is until I mean, crikey, mine was only three, three years ago, yeah, four yeah. years ago. I think um, I, I, I personally, um, you know, I, I can't sort of speak for anyone else, but uh, it was always in me just to just to strive and, and 
question my own sort of like, can I do more? Can I? And I don't know, you know, I haven't got like a when did it happen? Why? You know, what's it all about? It was just it's just what's in my head and what's what's in in me as an individual. And I, so I will, I've always been sort of intrigued with just that journey of like, actually, you know, can I achieve this from a from a ride or an event or a challenge or something like that? And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that probably made my life simpler because you know it, it takes out a lot of the you know you can spend many many years just trying to work out like you said you 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 only found it what was it three four years ago yeah 37 yeah and then you, you you may have had that moment where you're thinking actually it's making a bit more sense now this is this is what i really feel it was is within my heart and soul to go and do um so that was you know i found that quite early um really from the early days with Cannondale, it was all about you know being in the industry and, and actually getting paid to play around with bikes that was the coolest thing ever you know that was uh, still is you know it's still such a such a dream and such a uh, a gift to be able to mix passion and 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 your your career uh, professionalism and you know but then it just evolved from there you know over the years over the years looking for how i could try and create you know something beyond um, the brand that I was working for, and, and try and do good in the in the cycling community for for you know getting people out there and riding. How take me through the decision? Like, was it? I'm assuming it was legitimately an option. Were there people saying you could come and work, be on our team? You could come and be a part of this touring team and be a pro uh, with us. Was that definitely a path that was open to you? No, I would say back in, I was 21 um, at the turn of the millennium, yeah, 2000. And um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was an amb- ambitious path and it was quite an ambiguous path. So the, the path into professional cycling back then um, would be, you know, move to Europe and, you know, really just start from the from the, the ground up and try and you know get onto a team uh, go through the racing season see if you can get results it was there was ne- there wasn't really a, um, a a good support program whereas now there's uh, if you've got really good talent and you apply yourself then British Cycling are, you know got a great support program to try and nurture young talent so there wasn't I, I think you know in hindsight looking back yes I could have um, applied myself in that direction uh, would have it fulfilled me as much probably yes because it was always a dream but then there's masses of opportunities you know running parallel with that so you know as I say you can't look back with regret you've just got to look at what you're doing now and it was funny I was out riding with um, uh, a couple of guys in Colorado it's a couple of ex-pros Tim Duggan and Craig Lewis who rode for um, the, the, the Garmin squad and the uh, Timmy Duggan was on the, the Cannondale squad so our paths crossed when I was working with those guys and and now with what we're doing now you know it's such a small world is cycling um we end up sort of going on a ride with them and and trying to bring their region to life and uh i think timmy turned around and said you know but and i I was talking to him about the pro side of stuff and you know it all looks like glamour but really you know behind the scenes it's only the people at the top who've got the glamour and winning the tour de france everyone else is the the domestiques working you know they're the the worker bees of the pack so to speak and uh and he said yeah what you're doing now is you're doing what every pro really wished they could do because but they're they're a pro because that's what they thought you know is the way forward and and that's what racing and and the sport is and i think you know just through time and and the whole the whole way that um we're able to communicate with people um social media um having a voice and yeah just bringing experiences to life is so much more accessible now so much more open and it was kind of nice that you know I've always dreamt of like I want to be where that guy is and he's turning around saying well no you're doing everything that all these guys in the peloton wish they could be doing but they're not (laughs) so you know it's six of one half a dozen of the other 
You mentioned there was a moment when you were working for British Aerospace. Was that, did the Cannondale job turn up while you were there or did, did you leave one for the other? Uh, yeah, I, I joined British Aerospace uh, when I was 19. Because as an engineer, yeah. you know, you must be like, well, here I am. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. it. That this was is cool. where I'll be forever. But it was awesome. We were doing, I was super young and, um, and we were doing making projects. It was uh, infrared technology. It was all uh, military applications. And there was one project which we were working on for Eurofighter. And I still remember, I mean, this is 15, 16 years ago. And, and uh, my job was it was a product that would basically it would realize when a heat-seeking missile has locked onto the plane. It would throw the plane out of, um, it put it in, into autopilot. It would shake the missile off, and then that would knock the pilot unconscious. Uh, and then the pilot would come around, and the plane would auto-fly until, you know, everything was safe. And, um, yeah, and then life would carry on. And I was thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. You know, but I'm making these, you know, little metal boxes with beryllium in or whatever and all this, you know, all these elements and soldering it all together. And I'm thinking, this is really cool stuff. This is really cool. I'm, you know, these are going to save people's lives. But the bottom line was, because it wasn't, it was just this piece of metal still, which I never saw the Eurofighter. I never saw it in application or anything like that. So... So I was always like, well, something's missing, you know, it's very cool, but I want to be part of that end process. I want to have, you know, try and, I don't know, bring to life something that I actually can see the whole process, how it works. And so I was already looking, I was, I was sort of studying and, and doing a university. And as soon as I got qualified, that was the point where I was like, great, now I'm going to look, I think it's June or July, I finished all the exams, um, and August got a job with Cannondale. So I was looking on the internet, oh, I want to work for a cool techie bike brand. Cannondale had amazing teams, amazing products. I was like, well, this, this, that was my first port of call, and uh, went, on in, went on the internet and, <laughs> and found a job on their, their, uh, their job listings and applied like that, 21 sent my CV off and, and went out for an interview and that was it and you know handed my notice in my boss funny now because social social media is so cool my boss at the time wasn't into um, he wasn't into any sports or anything but he said look there's no way we can hold you back it's like it's not like you're going to go and work for another engineering place this is a total life transformation 21 was living at home now going to be living in Europe you know life transformation overnight packed my things up had about four t-shirts and you know that was about it put them in a suitcase left and now I see all the things he's doing on Facebook, which is amazing. He's an ultra runner. He does all sorts of crazy stuff. And it's like, huh? How did that happen, you know? So people's <laughs> parallel lives are quite fascinating. But, yeah, it was just I always knew that it was like, you know, I had to do something with, with what was in me. And that was, you know, that was the luck of getting online and, and just making it happen. You, along the way at Cannondale, when, when did the idea, I mean, you, you stayed I'm assuming you kept a hand and you did a race here and there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I raced for, uh, when I started with them in 2000, I still raced for probably the first five years and that was all over Europe. But it was more, um, it was more the sort of, um, yeah, enduro events at the weekend. We would we'd basically go and we would run um, a, a setup, uh, a sort of demo bike fleet or whatever at an event. People would come along, we'd work all the Saturday and then we could ride the, the event on the Sunday, which was amazing. So I got to actually tour around the whole of Europe with the, with the Cannondale um, guys. 
and you know tons of experience lots of cool cool things um and then just gradually over time i ended up doing quite a lot of mass participation events they're sort of sporties or grand fondos that was sort of taking off so i toured around europe again and they're really high level the, the top guys in those are, are super fit they're either ex-pros or they're good enough to be pros so the level's high and that kept me you know kept my sort of um fascination for racing and you know sort of fed the uh fed the beast so to speak and um, so these are these are amateur events yeah right amateur amateur races um and then just gradually over time <laughs> i actually just i don't know i was taking myself off because i was living in a new country i'd just go off at the weekend and just ride like i mean i'd just write on my top tube a bunch of different villages and then the, the that that list would get longer because i wanted to go and explore a bit more just just for people the top tube is the the bit when you're riding on a bicycle and you look straight down it's the bit that connects the handlebars to the seat Yes. And that's where a lot of cyclists will just write their navigation. Yeah, it's just second left, third right, go that way for 20 exactly. miles. Exactly. Nowadays, we're, you, you, it's hard to get lost with your GPS and everything and whatever's strapped to your handlebar. But back then, it was just a, a piece of masking tape and then, you know, 20 different villages. And I would just take myself off and it would feel like a training camp and I'd come back exhausted and like a time I always used to you know my the way my brain works it was like yeah okay there's a water stop here here and here and it would be red hot in the summer and I'd be like absolutely dying and I think no I'm not going to stop and get water I've got to get got to make it to the fountain and that was my personal challenge what kept me going and it was just fascinating because I was out there on my own so I had a lot of time just to go and explore with no distractions it's not like you meet with a team and you know here's your race and this is what it's all, all about it was a very I don't know it's just a very peaceful time just to go and explore new terrain new land and I got a lot from that and that's sort of what led me to the endurance side of stuff just from going out and exploring where you I mean I, I often tell people that when I'm when I'm on the bike that's that five six hours is the most I've really done but like it's just serenity I'm by myself and it does feel a bit weird to say I kind of I almost prefer that sometimes than to being around people I can be a little weird sometimes when I'm around people um were you able to manage to keep up uh, like a social life and, and and this sort of stuff yeah I mean we we had what was really amazing actually was um I was in Switzerland in Basel Basel in Switzerland and um for the first probably the first season or so I just literally explored and I was actually I was super busy with work I was trying to get my life together it was like new country lots of new stimulus to to keep me occupied and then after that as it as you get into a bit of a routine you start thinking oh, okay I know this place now I know where I can get money out and I can you know pay my or, or do some post or whatever and um, it comes a little bit easier and I originally um, it was a Spanish guy in the office because it was a very multicultural office Spanish and Dutch and German and English, Italian, and a Spanish guy said, oh, my friend, he uh, he's into cycling, and, you know, he's, there's a little... It wasn't really a club, it was just a group of friends who had all happened to find themselves in Basel, and, um, you know, as I say, there was a Dutch guy, there was some German guys, there was an Italian, I pitched up, there was a, a Spanish guy, and it was such an amazing feeling because uh, the first week I got there, I sort of said... This is, you know, they were all really nice guys and they're all doing different things. One was working in engineering in the trains and, you know, they're all, one was a lecturer or something. So no, no, none of them were really into cycling apart from just from the passion. They weren't in the industry. And it took us about two hours and I was riding with them and I said, God, we really need to 
we need to uh, we need to make something of this because we're all. I mean, it feels really good. We're riding with friends. It's like I didn't I only I'd only known them a couple of hours, but it felt like I'd known them for a long time. And I said, oh, let's make a kit, and we called it the Unity Kit. And I went back to Cannondale that that week, and I said, look, we've got Dutch guys, we've got English guys, we've got Italians, and they ended up making a kit with all the flags around the collar. And that was and then they then I pitched up a couple few weeks later with kit for and I went, oh my goodness, look at this. This is, but it just felt right. So. It was nice to have that outlet, but then I'm totally on board with you. When, when you need to get your head clear, <laughs> I mean, whether it's a run or just a, a long walk or just get out of the house or whatever, for me, just going on the bike, it's like that's the, the savior of everything and you can just go out and switch off. And yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a mega feeling. So there's, it's, it's hard to balance. It depends what mood you're in. Um, thing is, if you're, if you're not in the mood to be with people, then even if you're riding with people, you're not there. I'm, sometimes I'm in a different place and, and it doesn't help anyone because they're chatting away and they're oh, a bit quiet today. So, well, yeah, I'm kind of got to sort some things out in my head. So, uh, I sometimes get told by my girlfriend, she's like, do you need to go for a ride? Just, just go for a ride. Just get out of the house. <laughs> just go. Yeah. Just go. It'll be She'd better see you're, you you're climbing off the wall or off the ceiling <laughs> yeah. or something. It's like, oh, should I get out? Just go, just go. Yeah. I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll see you in a couple of hours, honey. Because yeah. I know I'm just, I can get, I can get insufferable. Yeah. Uh, just for myself. I just get itchy, you know? Just, yeah, I you've got like... a big challenge coming up, no? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. He says with a long sigh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thrilled about it. I'm Good. thrilled about it. Um, I, I, I haven't been able to talk about it on social yet. Um, but I'll, I'll clear it with the guys before I publish this show. Um, there's a, a, a cycling clothing company or cycling kit, is that how they call it? Um, Black Sheep is right. the name of the cycling company. And we have a thing in Australia called the Black Dog Institute, which is uh, um, a men's depression uh, initiative. They do a lot of great work there. And so it's a black sheep for the black dog. Works nicely. Fantastic. And it's a ride from Airlie Beach, which is in uh, just south of Mackay, on the east coast of Queensland, all the way down to the Gold Coast, which is on the border of New South Wales, which is 1,400 kilometres. Now, I know you've done 1,052 hours, but um, so this, we're doing this over nine days, and there's 10 guys. That's awesome. So a couple of, couple of pros. I mean, they asked yeah. me, and I, I said yes straight away, yeah. and then said, I'm going to have to get fit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, the carrot's there now. So. Well... There's something about it that just felt right. I was yeah. like, I have to do this. Yeah. When else am I going to get a chance to ride this distance with support yeah. um, and with nine other people 
if anything goes wrong or anything. Else. It's gonna. You're gonna have. I mean, whatever happens, it's like oh, you're gonna have so many defining moments. You're gonna come out of that, and if you if you don't do it, what's gonna happen? You're gonna be crawling off the wall again. You're gonna <laughs> see the social. You're gonna see all this stuff. Oh, I could have been part of that. Yeah. So whatever happens, you know, it's gonna hurt. There's gonna be bad moments, dark moments, whatever. But then there's gonna be the complete polar opposite, and there's gonna be elation. There's gonna be just like I feel so alive. That's what you're gonna do it for. So it's a no-brainer, really. Oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> I, I said. Yes, I wrote the email back. Yes, within yeah. ninety seconds, and then I called them up later and said, but, uh, um, "Can you send me a training program?" Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, there's some pros coming along, yeah. so we're just going to put them in front, and I'll draft behind them. So yeah, that awesome. Help. That should help. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I need to. Um, uh, so my girlfriend, the first thing my girlfriend said is like, well, "Who's going to cook for you?" Because I mean, the nutrition is a big thing for me. I mean, yeah. I have to. The, the worst thing is when I'm out and I run out of food. You know, when I out on the road and I, I just don't have enough glycogen and I just stop working. Yeah. And then I'm like, shit, I'm 30 kilometers from my car. <laughs> yeah. Do you have those massive, great, massive bonks? Yeah. The worst. Like, just like, oh, the doors are blown off. My hands start shaking. So what do you, what do you actually use at the moment then? Uh, what do you, you know, if you're, if you're, take a trip, uh, say you're out for f- like five hours. All right. I'll bake. I bake, okay. Yeah, yeah. I bake energy bars. Yeah. So it's like oats and um, bright, uh, brown rice sugar. Yeah. Uh, brown rice syrup you know what I mean that yeah. thing um, uh, some cacao some protein powder some uh, raisins some banana mash some bananas in there um, um, and just what else do I put in there probably some uh, chia seeds to bind yeah. it together oh, it um, sounds like mega stuff so where's it going wrong like you're just not having enough I don't know I just, just like this is on times when I've, I've just run out of the house and haven't taken oh food okay yeah me. I was going to say because it's like you know the, the whole strategy is it's like you know yeah, I can't. I can't run on nothing. Yeah. You know, you have to have the right fuel. You have to have it coming in regularly. You have to know your body. You have to know how efficient you are. Yeah. All those types of things. You know, it does, what one thing's not going to work for someone else because we're all individual. That's what makes yeah. it interesting. So, oh yeah, I was nervous. I was just thinking that you're you're doing everything right, and then suddenly, boom, lights are going out. Okay, well, how do we get you over this? What's, no, no, no it's like okay. there's one, one particular. I don't know. There's a, in the north of Sydney. There's a national park, Kuringai National Park, and there's a there's a fantastic ride. That goes down to a place called Cottage Point, which is great going in, but it's 21% coming out, uh, which is brutal. Yeah. It's very hard to keep my back wheel on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was miles away from my car, and I, I was like, well, I haven't brought enough food with me. Great. I, 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 was, I actually had to get off my bike and walk. No way. For a little bit, because the edges of my vision started striving. I'm like, yeah. this is, no, this is no, not good. No, 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 that's, that's pretty serious. I mean, that is mega. I've, had a, I've heard a few cases like that, which, yeah, if it gets much past that, then you've got to be sitting down, you know, you've got to be, like, taking a bit of time out just to say, Yeah, I've done it on, I've done it in Los Angeles, too, coming back up to Panka Canyon, yeah. you know, stopping 3Ks from the cafe that I'm trying to get to, just like, going, I can't ride right yeah. now I just need to be here for 10 minutes yeah. and then just go very very slowly <laughs> and then get to the cafe and just that's eat a, that's everything such an, yeah I mean that's the problem isn't it it's like if you, go, if you get into that extreme situation yeah. suddenly your brain as soon as you find anything that is edible it's like it's game over again. You're like, yeah. oh, great. So, yeah, you, we need to sort you out with the right nutrition strategy. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm like, Otherwise, it's going uh, to be a long about. nine days. Well, yeah. I mean, I've heard what you were talking about downstairs. Don't ever let your girlfriend crew for you. Yeah. Don't ever let your wife or girlfriend crew for you. That was the first thing Audrey said. She's like, well, who's going to cook? What are you going to eat? I should come with you. Um, it, it, that really depends I mean that's everything I've read everything I've heard and um, Deb has always been on every every event every challenge and it all comes down to your personality really I'm uh, you know I'm I don't know I think 
all the challenges and all the, the big rides I've done, it's, I'm so focused on what I'm actually doing that I've, I've seen things where people have flipped out and it's been like, crikey, they've really changed their personality. And I've, I've always just been like in the moment that I'm, it's never occurred to me to be like, what are you guys doing? Hang on a minute. The reason I'm actually even here is because of you. Mm. So I've got to remember that. I've got to keep myself in check. It's like, that's, that's fundamental. You know, if you, if you just flip out, then no one's going to have a good time for the rest of whatever you're trying to do. So yeah, I would heed the advice depending on your personality. You might know if you're going to suddenly flip out or if you can keep it in check and yeah, and then try and put a good team together. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty okay. Yeah. I'm pretty okay. And the other thing is she's an exceptionally good cook. And yeah. her, um, she knows her mum's a nutritionist, so she's grown up knowing a lot about nutrition. And there we go. I mean, that, when I turned up to think, I haven't been here for, I haven't seen some people for like six or seven months, maybe seven, maybe a year, some of them. Yeah. They look at me like, what happened to you? Because I'm, I'm, I'm like 10 kilos heavier than I was. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, met a girl that feeds me right. She takes me to the gym. I've actually got yeah. muscle on my yeah. body for the first time in my life. Yeah. It's like, whoa, where do they come from? Guns <laughs> yeah, are out. I, yeah. I just, just not eating right, you know. I mean, it's one thing to be plant-based, but it's another thing to be very, oh, very totally. careful about yeah. what you eat and get the right proportions of everything. Yeah. I just wasn't eating the right proportions yeah. of everything. I guess especially with your sort of lifestyle as well where, you know, it's pretty intense. You know, job-wise, everything, if you're training, everything's kind of, a, it's not a nine-to-five, is it? Never. So it's, I haven't worked nine-to-five, ever. Exactly. I can't do it. No, it's impossible. I can't do it. There's some people that can. And I Quite rightly, yeah. Sometimes I'm yeah. like, wouldn't that be nice just to, some days I think about it, wouldn't that be nice just to go home and, and like, I don't know, I don't have to do anything yeah. with email till nine o'clock tomorrow morning. No, yeah. it's fine. No, yeah. nothing. That, that, that conversation happens in our household, um, <laughs> not that regularly, but quite occasionally, where it's like, crikey! I mean, Deb used to work in uh, uh, for Mercedes, big corporation, obviously, and she was just like, yeah, but when I used to leave work, that was it. It mm. was game over. And I'm saying, yeah, but were you really fulfilled with that? It's like, you know, you, you choose your life. You only live it once. It's like, you've got to do something that you actually think is meaningful. It's like, and we always come back to the same conclusion and say, okay, yeah, sometimes it's sporadic, sometimes it's long hours, but at least we're, you know, we're together trying to do something which we, we believe in. Um, so I totally get it. But sometimes you just think, oh, it would just be nice just to, right, I've gone home now, switched off for the weekend, job done, but it's not like that. There's a mate of mine, Gazza, he's a massive project manager humongous like construction projects i'm talking like four or five billion dollars massive massive constructions he got a um samsung phone from work because they're like you got to have this you, we, we need to get you on email when you're out in the field on the day he says okay you can only give it to me if no emails come to me after six o'clock and before eight thirty in the morning don't let any emails come to this from work and then i'll take it yeah. and they did yeah so he doesn't get any work emails after 6 p.m. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, our life's not like that, but that's an amazing thing to try and implement early yeah. on um, because otherwise, God, it just takes over. Everyone knows it. Yeah. It's like after this, you'll flick the phone. Oh, what's going, what's going on in the, the world out there? You say, well, hang on a minute, the world's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we should talk about the, the challenges. And I mean, I'll, I'll give, because we are on a really limited time, I'm afraid, because of, you know, but that's okay. I'm just stoked that I can get a chance to talk to you like this. Um, we should talk about the challenges. And I know we talked a bit about this downstairs, but what brought you to the very first really, really, really long ride? Well, like, what was the difference between the longest ride you'd, you'd done before that and the longest ride you'd done? Like, oh my God, like, did, was it 2X, 3X? How, how much bigger was it? Um, the sort of 
trajectory. Um, so I was racing, and it was traditional sort of racing, uh, cross-country mountain biking, short course sort of stuff. And then it was when I was abroad, that was when I was sort of exploring. So I went in through my exploring phase, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, I was just, naturally, I just felt really good when I was going longer distances. It's just my body was clicking, and it was kind of like, so, you know, I thought to myself, actually, yeah, this, this could, could be something in this. So the sort of mass participation, sportives and grand fondos, they were quite long events, and I found that I was quite well suited to them. But then I actually found that um, outside of that, I, I liked the serenity of being on my own and challenging myself. Um, and I did a few 24-hour sort of mountain bike races, and I did a, a long uh, road event called Race Across the Alps in 2009, um, and that was about 500. That, that that latter one was about 500, just over 500k. It's about a day's worth of riding, just over a day's worth of riding, all in like the Austrian Alps and and uh, Swiss Alps, and um, incredible experience. But it was still, it was sort of. That competition against others was was not really what was fueling me. It was my own personal ambition, um, and that was when, yeah, I mean, many things got a little bit out of uh, sync in my life, uh, personal personal things, and you know, I was still working for for Cannondale at the time, but I was just feeling like I wasn't really fulfilling what I wanted to do and I was just I was just jumbled brain was jumbled mind was blurred and of course what happens when your mind's blurred you've got to get out for a bike ride so literally uh 2011 it was like it was a do or die moment really and I was like said to, to Deb it's like we I've just got to get out and feel something inside is going to go pop just from you know all the pressures which I was feeling and uh you know personal sort of uh issues which which I was going through and uh and I just said, like, let's get out to, to the Pyrenees. The mountain range is so peaceful, so beautiful. Um, it's very quiet. It's very serene. And, and um, you know, we're, gonna, we're just going to ride from the Atlantic, you know, paddle in the water in the Atlantic and then jump on the bike and, and finish up in, in the med whenever. And that was 30 hours later. And that was the first, that was a real catalyst moment. It absolutely defined everything which I'd lived for up until that point but then afterwards I finished that ride and I mean I wasn't tired I was just like I found the answers to what I wanted to do with my life moving forward and that was you know that was the sort of yeah bringing experiences to life connecting the brands and using all the marketing which I'd done for the last decade in the right way and then that was almost like right let's now start my my real life um, so it was it wasn't just about a big crazy challenge it was just about finding perspective on who I was as an, as an individual and then you know literally a month afterwards we we're in the kitchen and it was like there's no way I can do I can't do my job anymore I just don't feel fulfilled by it I have to you know I have to try and evolve what I believe is in me and that's you know roll forward another three years and, and that's where I am now with with what I'm doing with with the brands we work with and, and the community we're trying to build in cycling. Do you think it's important for people to have that? I mean, there's the, the metaphor that happens in, like, even the biblical, the, the 40 days in the desert, you know, the, the, the going out and having that long, hard look at yourself. Do you think it's important to have that in your life? Me personally? Not just anybody to, I think, to, to go through that. I, I think it's, I mean, you know, it's very easy. From a personal perspective, I'll answer it yes, absolutely, because it's what really defined, you know, when I break it down and you sort of like you've got milestones in your life, September 9th, 2011, that was the milestone. That was where I jumped on my bike, started off on one coast, ended up on the other, and everything changed the moment I, I put foot back on land um at the mediterranean and you know so that was such a defining moment um and 
yeah, I mean, that taught me so much about myself. It, and it was only, you know, I'd, I'd probably been thinking for the last year, you know, going around jumbled, what am I doing? How am I going to get over these things? You know, what's my true purpose? I know, you know, what I want to try and do, but how do I do it? And, you know, it was it, all it took was the simplicity of actually getting away from it. You know, I use the bike as that's my, my sort of medicine, so to speak. But, uh, you know, it, it can be anything. You just have to take a step back. So I'm not saying that you have to go and put yourself through these arduous things like go out to the desert and, you know, you know <laughs> try and survive it. But I'm saying just try and take a step back to get perspective again. Whatever it is that, that, uh, that gives you that moment of clarity, try and put yourself in that situation until, until the answers come. Um, that's what I did and it was, it was a magical moment. Where did the idea for the the Pyrenees come from? Did it, did it just pop into your head one day? Like that's a good idea. Um, I've, I've just I actually it was the we did it in the September um, and July. I was on holiday with with one of my friends and we were riding across. We were doing a point to point, so we were doing a similar route. And it was the first time with my girlfriend we had support, so she was following us in the car. It was great. Normally we just do you know if we're do, doing a cycling holiday, we'd just start in the same location and start and finish the same day. But we had this opportunity where we could do an A to B, and it was like God, oh, this is awesome because it just gives another element because you start and finish in a different place you never see the same thing twice and it was it was actually during a really miserable day it was raining um yeah i was super tired already and i don't know i was groveling up some mountain and i just thought god wouldn't it be amazing if i just try and do this all in one go and i don't know it, it did it kind of just popped into my head because it was the most it was probably the worst time to ever have that thought because it wasn't a perfect blue sky. It wasn't warm. It was freezing cold. We're all uh, just surviving. And, uh, and I just thought, look, there's this. And I looked on the map and it was about 600-ish K. Um, it's about 400 odd miles. And it just it suddenly clicked, and I just said, "This is you know, people are always trying to look for new things." And I, you know, just wow, this, this, this is an amazing mountain range that's got a de- very definite start and finish because you know, unless you're going to jump on a pedalo, you're going to hit water, and that's that's it. And that was it. And I just said, and I love the Pyrenees just because they're they're such a mellow mountain range. The Alps is a little bit more aggressive. It's it's more commercial now. And then the Italian sort of Dolomites are even more aggressive, super steep. Um, and I just the Pyrenees for me is just a it's a safe haven. That was my safe haven, which I wanted to go and explore. So from there, you you got back. How do you like when you sit back at your desk, back at work? Because I know you mentioned downstairs you did that over a weekend. You left on a on a Thursday, yeah. drove over there, did the thing on the over Friday, Saturday, got back on the Monday. When you got back at work, was it like, you know, when you, I don't know, I just remember having this first, the first time I really went to Europe when I was uh, 24, I got back to Brisbane and went, oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like within five minutes of yeah. being back at work. Yeah. Uh, for me it was, yeah, certainly after that ride I, I went back and, um, you know, this just to sort of put it in perspective, this is this has evolved over sort of a decade um, of these rides, um, just writing features and trying to make videos. And it wasn't a, a, a moment where suddenly everything changed and I, I changed trade. It was just the next evolution, mm. and the next evolution meant that you know to do it properly and, and with the most authenticity to myself and and to everything that we represent was. Uh, yeah, just to to leave the the company I was working with. It was Cannondale at the time, and and just yeah, just try and put all the the the, the pieces of the the jigsaw together. But yeah, it was I got back and it was like that was so fulfilling, and I could see so much value from it 
because I could, you know, the, the people which we were connected to who felt inspired, who were like, wow, actually, you know, maybe I could do something like this or just to give that moment of inspiration to somebody's world um, just was an incredible feeling. So from that point on, the, the, the brain cogs started whirling away of how we could actually implement this. How could we make it a reality? Because it's all very well having a pipe dream and saying, oh, I'm now going to go and, you know, disappear and, and ride big challenges and, and set these things. But, you know, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of platform that actually makes it sustainable otherwise you know you're going to end up uh, not paying the mortgage pretty quick and yeah. you know things are going to wheels are going to fall off so spent a lot of time after that actually trying to put the the pieces in place and I spent before I actually so from that September 2011 to when I actually sort of gave up and, and started my own company was over a year it was October 2012 so I spent 13 months of uh, pitching uh, portfolios, putting all the pieces together. How does this work? Oh, no, that doesn't really make sense. Let's go back, change this, get it in black and white until it was like, actually, we could offer something to the cycling world, the community, the brands. Um, you know, I had a lot of good relationships with, with many bike brands and, and component brands and, and clothing brands. I'm sure so these relationships are from when you were in Basel. Yeah, exactly. Before. Yeah, so over a decade worth of just mm. slow building. It's, yeah. it's, you know, we always try to, me as an individual, always try to see what sort of value I could give to uh, to someone above and beyond what they're expecting. And then, you know, it came after that sort of, you know, 10 years of, of, of growing and evolving and developing that after the Pyrenean ride was the moment where I thought, actually, I, I can probably bring all this together. If I, if I connect all the dots now, it's going to be a big risk, a big gamble because you've got security in a, in a nine to five job, but that's just never, it's never going to make me satisfied. So that was the leap of faith really to get mm. on and, and try and, um, put those missing pieces of the jigsaw together. But then of course, as soon as you put the missing pieces together, and and you start something that's when the real work starts again so so somewhere you've got a you've got a 300 piece jigsaw and then suddenly yep we're going to go for this and it's now it's a thousand piece jigsaw okay so how do we <laughs> so it's, it's just an evolving yeah. evolving project which is is kind of cool i'm uh i'm aware that we have to wrap, wrap up very very soon so um i want to get to the, the the what you learned from the big rides the the road to Mont Blanc, 1,009 kilometers, 52 and a half hours, 21,000 meters of climbing nonstop. Um, what did you learn about what you thought you were capable of? What you'd been told humans were capable of versus what you were, could actually do? Um, for, for me, it was um, the sort of trajectory that I had for the endurance stuff. So... Pyrenees was just a real, I needed to sort myself out. I needed to sort my my personal side out and my sort of life and get some perspective. Uh, so it was just an adventure. There was no no brands really involved. It was my own personal, personal thing. Ever since then, it turned into more of a business. Um, so the following year in the Alps, I was just so, because it was all new, it, this was like, actually, crikey, I'm now working for myself. I've got my own business. I've got responsibilities to brands which we've involved. Um, we now involve that into the sort of community side to try and help and, and educate cyclists as far as we can. But that was because it's like a new job. Everything's Everything's like, you're really so up for it. Uh, and then when we got to 2014 for Road to Mont Blanc, that was the big, you know, the bigger, bigger challenge. Uh, and I knew that it was going to be two, at least two days nonstop. And that, and I was just, I never really felt comfortable. Although the challenge came from within me, I never felt comfortable with thinking 
like beforehand I just knew that I couldn't see anything stopping me but the road to Mont Blanc it was like I couldn't really see how I was going to do it because two nights with no sleep and over that terrain and we had really bad weather for a, a big chunk of it I mean there was I was I had no moment where I felt really content and chilled I was pretty much petrified for like at least the six seven months probably from the January to the August from when I did it that eight months was like I don't really know what's going to happen here. I'm just going to do my best. I'm really going to, I mean, I put so many hours in, in training, um, trained like a madman. And I was also running the business full time. So it was like 50 odd hours, 60 odd hours of work a week. Plus I got up to like 35 to 40 hours training a week. And that's, I mean, it was really destructive. Um, and I, what I really learned was, I mean, I made it, I survived, had an incredible experience. Um, reached points in my own well-being that I never thought possible like got to got to things where I'd, I'd crossed the boundary almost in what I in my own expectations got to a new level where suddenly pain disappeared things made sense once more had more energy just when you shouldn't after 45 hours you shouldn't have more energy two days on the bike non-stop you should it's physically impossible but you get to this um yeah, this this place which is it's impossible to describe unless you've been there, and then it's like, oh my goodness, this is this is life. This is really what life's about. And you know what it taught me is just that whatever your expectations are, um, you know, there is a lot more. There is infinitely more out there, and you know, you can take this. Um, you can hopefully you can, people listening can apply it to any way which resonates with their own life. We're not just talking about a bike ride. We're talking about, you know, business. We're talking about, um, uh, yeah, some sort of um, investment that you might have to make or any any area of your life where you think, that's my limit. You know, just believe that there is so much more outside of that. And these challenges for me have really opened that world up, which I probably would never have um, seen had I not really pushed myself well beyond the boundaries of what I thought I was humanly possible and, and capable of. Um, and that's that's a revelation. It's, a, it's such a nice thing because I can then use that and I can translate that back into my everyday life to, to help me with business and help me get through through harder moments. So, yeah, just believe in in you know there's a lot more beyond what you think is possible and and then just you know give everything heart and soul and you'll you'll realize that wow the world is is a pretty amazing place how much of it is um when you think about the people that are constrained by these things how much of that is actual physically i can't actually do this versus i've been told or i have a perception that i can't do it therefore my body won't do it I reckon there's a real high percentage of if if you've got the preconception if you've been told you know you can't do this I think there's a high percentage and but that that that's that's the the moment where you've got to sort of like erase everything and you've got to go back to basics and say to yourself you know forget about what people say forget about you know the the, the preconceptions that people put on your own life it's like you know what is in you I mean it's like that's the the desire and the drive uh, to do anything in life comes from within. It shouldn't really come from someone sat next to you saying, hey man, why don't you do this? It's like, that's why people achieve things. And you say, oh, why, what, 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 what made you motivated to do that? And it comes from deep within. It's a, it's a seed that just grows, I think, over time. And, you know, first things first is just try and, um, yeah, as I say, try and erase what that preconception is. Um, because I think that people can get scared, people can get nervous. I mean, I was, I was personally... 
for the road to Mont Blanc, I was really nervous. I was super anxious. I was like, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know, you know, I've, I've, I've done as much as I can. So I've, I've put the pieces in place. I've got a great support team. And we're just going to go out and just, I'm just going to enjoy what I've, I pure, really, truly um, and purely believe in. Um, but I didn't know how it was going to end. And that's the point. I think that's the point of getting across that line. And if you never even, if you never try to, you know, push yourself beyond the boundary because there's always a constraint that, you know, your mate next door has said, ah, oh, you never do that, you, you know, you're, you're toast. Then, I mean, I don't think you're going to live an authentic life. I don't think you're going to live to your full potential. And that would be a great shame. I really could talk to you for another 45 minutes, man. <laughs> but Time has come. The big gong. I've got to graduate. We're out. I've got to graduate my school. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this has been great. Thank you so much, Mike. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, I just want to say the whole sort of think organization. It's been amazing just to spend a day and a half here. There's so many incredible minds. So if you are, you know, this is a shameless plug for you guys, really. If you are looking to take well, This your, is my podcast. This isn't even Think's yeah. podcast. This is yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. <laughs> this is I'm, my I'm show. here because of, you know, because of Osha's, you know, wanting to, to share the love at, at Think. And it's just an amazing place. I think there's incredible people. And thanks for the invite. I've, hey, I've no worries, man. I'm minute. glad you come. It's fun, right? It's been amazing. Some interesting yeah. people here. Oh, it's incredibly interesting. Anything which I was saying I've got a, a problem with, there's someone going, hey, this person over here can help you. It's like, it's insane for connections. There's so, already two people. There's already, yeah. down. Did he already come and say hi? The guy yeah. who can introduce you to someone with yeah. the film permits? Yeah. Awesome. Warner Brothers. <laughs> I said, they're pretty big. <laughs> yeah, so they know a bit or two about filming. So yeah, exactly. So right, I'm amazing gonna stuff. stuff. I'm going to set up my camera as quick as I can. Okay. Fantastic. Cool. All right. Thank you. That, my friends, was Mike Cotty. You can find him on Twitter at C-O-T-T-Y-D-A-L-E. I don't know about you, but when I hear him speak, I think about what limitations am I putting on myself that are just labels? What can I change in my life by just reframing what it is I think I can do or have or deserve or want? Yeah, he's an astonishing guy. I'm really grateful he could be here. He's plant-based as well. Which is, uh, which is no, uh, you know, no coincidence. But yeah, I like that guy. He's a really good guy. I'm glad I could bring him to you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being a part of the show. If you want to let me know anything, you can find me on Facebook. Also, send Osher email at gmail.com is where you can find me. Um, thanks heaps. I'm going to drink some ginger tea and uh, and lie down and kind of just be cold and sweat because that's what's going on right now. Anyway, I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Until we speak next week, sleep well and dream of beautiful things.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 